Welcome to episode 43 of Coffee Pods and Wads, sponsored by Born Primitive UK. You can use the code COFFEEPODS10 for money off your basket on their website, bornprimitive.co.uk. Also sponsored by Rain Body Fuel, a sugar-free energy drink with a shit ton of caffeine in it. Um, thank you for listening and for your continued support of the podcast. Please continue to like and share everything that you can on at Coffee Pods and Wads. Just put it up in your stories, tag, whatever you want to do. Just the more people that see it, the better it is for the podcast. Um, you can become a patient of the show at patreon.com forward slash Coffee Pods and Wads or at the link in my bio on Instagram. So I keep saying like it's basically if you think if you met me and you'd buy me a can of rain or a coffee or whatever. This is a way for you to actually do that. Um, today's guest is Chase Ingram, fresh off his stellar stint, uh, commentating at the Rogue Invitation at the weekend. Although this is recorded a couple of weeks before that, so yeah, we didn't talk about that. Um, and it was before, you know, everything else. So we didn't talk about some things. We do chat about some stuff, but we don't talk about other stuff. So if, just if you're confused why we're leaving bits out, like we didn't, it hadn't happened. Um, there's... Yeah, the, the episode is a bit late because I was packing up. We're moving house uh, into our first like proper home today. There's great money in podcasting. Um, yeah, but here's Chase chatting about chubby babies and not knowing what to do with them, how he became involved in CrossFit, and moving from competing to commentating. Enjoy, listen, share, and tag. Cool, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm right. Not too bad. How's it being back, gym being open and stuff? Uh, it's been good. I think um, we're just having a, we just finished a class and the first day was really nerve wracking. You know, it's, I was like excited and nervous. It was like going to high school as a freshman, you know? Yeah. And uh, you know, you just want to take care of everybody is the big thing there. And Have so, you got like areas sectioned off? I think I saw boxes on your yeah. Instagram. So, so our pull-up rigs 50 feet long and every squat rack section um, has its own box because the pull-up bars between the racks are six feet so okay. it's already dedicated a six foot space between the two mm-hmm. and then the width of the rig is also so we just make sure people face out they stay in their lanes and once people kind of started coming in the first day you know it was a different norm um, than what they're used to but once we got into the workout and you know we cleaned things and they saw how it was people are are much more relaxed and enjoyable or are enjoying what they're doing way more so it's been pretty good so far you were one of the first to close down is that right yes i mean i don't not in the world but from what i know (laughs) ever (laughs) we were the first um from what i know like at least countrywide here in the states is that you know we closed real early um i mean real early based off what other people started had being forced to is that because did you do you think you saw like what was happening in other countries and were like this is definitely going to happen here so i might as well just get ahead of it hundred um, percent. I was really watching what was happening in Italy because at the time in March, like it was like the country was crumbling. Yeah, it was um, insane. And fortunately for me is that I have a lot of friends that are in the medical community um, and even in, even more so on the CrossFit side, like the MDL ones. Mm-hmm. And so I started talking to them and they gave me feedback and information from surgeons and doctors in italy yeah and so i started getting information directly from them and i was like nope i mean this is this is bad this is coming fast so we're going to get ahead of it um and and the idea there is like i'd rather be on the right side of the line there i'd rather close too early than wait too long 
right? Yeah, like be, be seen as cautious rather than a risk taker, I guess, or, you know, like as... Yeah. Yeah. And did you get much shit when you'd lose? Like, did, like... No. No. Yeah, we got, I mean, I was terrified, honestly. Like, I, I was like, I'm closing the doors. I'm shutting people out that I have spent almost eight years trying to nurture and grow and build. Um, and it's, you know, it's what I do. And I got zero negative feedback. That's amazing, yeah. None. Like, we, it was the most positive feedback um, I, could, I didn't, couldn't even imagine um, what it was. So that felt good. Um, I mean, obviously, we're doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. And so people understood. And then, you know, four days later, the country shuts down here. Yeah. And so it, it was a good call. It was the right call. Yeah. You, um, you had a kid recently, well, recently enough. Yes. yes. Quite the uh, bruiser. So, oh, man. I tell you what. So I, I have a son. He's two. Yeah. And our daughter was born in February. So about mid-February. She's like, my daughter was born in December. Oh, she, really? She's like six times the size of my kid. <laughs> <laughs> she's big. Yeah. She's like, she, she's a good eater. She could be on the door of like a nightclub. She's <laughs> <laughs> crazy, man. And so, you know, she's born. And then in three weeks later, like we get thrown into quarantine. Mm. But really, um, in terms of silver lining and what was happening, all it did was it allowed me to be home full time. Oh, same. It's like maternity leave. Exactly. It's like, yeah. it's, and I think I kind of, you're, you might be the same, but I felt really guilty for Orla missing out on like, you know, co- coffee mornings and classes and baby sensory stuff. I felt kind of guilty about that. But then I suppose it's made up with the fact that I can get up in the morning and be downstairs for an hour. Whereas usually I'd be like, right, I've got to go like, you know? Yeah, it was nice because, you know, when my son was born, I took two weeks off. And then I came yeah. right back to the gym and I coach a lot. I probably coach close to 30 classes a week, um, a little less now. Um, but when then she was born, it's different when you leave, you know, your wife with the one, but now with the two, it's just a completely different game. So it's, I don't know. I don't know how single parents do anything. That's uh, yeah. It really gives I you a new appreciation for mom, I don't know how my mom raised three boys because my dad was always traveling for work when we were young. Mm. I have no idea how our parents did anything because we could barely handle one with the two of us. And so with this, it was nice to be home because I got to really be involved heavily um, in those newborn phases that I, I didn't really get as much with, with my son. So, so yeah, like we, we had no prior, like we had no, like, it's not like I was going to say prior convictions. We had no previous kids. Like, this is our first kid. Jesus, that took him out the fucking arse ways. So we had no, we had no kid before uh, Sloan came. And so I have nothing to compare it to. But, like, for me, it's, like, say, okay, I was at work from, like, early January until early March with, mm-hmm. with her at home and stuff. So I, I kind of got a brief glimpse of both. But I know, like, when I was coming home from work, Aura would be like, oh, she did this thing today. Let's see if she does it again. And then, oh, no, she's not doing it now. Whereas now it's so much easier because she's like, oh, look at the, you know, like I'm sitting right there. So I don't have to be, like, looking at a picture of it or, you know, there's no, I guess there's no kind of guilt, even though it's, like, oh, yeah. it's yeah. irrational guilt because, like, it's a necessity that you go to work. But there's still no guilt attributed to, because you're just there, like, you know, you're at home. A hundred percent. And I think... 
it's the hard part, especially for working parents on either side, you know, it's like, yeah. My wife, uh, she's an attorney, and so she got four months of maternity leave, which is huge, especially in the States. Like, mm-hmm. maternity leave here is re- absurd and even worse for dads. Yeah. Um, I mean, mine was guaranteed two weeks, but that's my fault because I own the business. So, that- you should have changed it like the week before. Yeah. Be like, I'm gonna give six months maternity leave. <laughs> We're closing the doors. That's why I closed the doors. I didn't close the doors because of COVID, I closed it because I had a <laughs> you saw an opportunity. <laughs> But yeah, I can't imagine um, the first one and then all of this happening because that first kid, whew, yeah. I was not, like you said, I was, no one informed me the correct way. Like, it should I, really come with like a book or, you know, like, because even yeah. then, even when you read those, like, you know, you, you might Google something like, you know, why is it, why is this being doing this activity like why are they doing this or why are they not doing this thing and the range of advice like on sleeping it's like oh they could only have they should only have one movement based sleep a day and it's like she literally does not sleep if we're not moving her so like i mean write a different fucking book please one that's like realistic (laughs) i mean yeah it's like yes all these books and videos were great none of it applied no, yeah. Situation. So I'm Googling, like, is my baby broken? <laughs> that I was Googling. And I went to my friends, like, hey, listen, you didn't tell me any of this. Like, well, you know, yeah, that was kind of the case. I was like, you guys are the worst. So <laughs> I impart the realness to my friends who are, are expecting kids. And I'm like, yeah. listen, what you thought it's going to be and what you saw in that video and what your friends told you, total bullshit. Here's what's going to happen. Yeah. So, I mean, I was, I was, I spoke to Tommy and Sean from Talking Elite just before he had his kid. And oh, yeah. um, I was like, you know, there's, there's two camps when you're expecting. There's two camps. One is like, oh, man, your life is over. Like, forget about everything. Like, you know, you're never going to get to go anywhere. Like, you're never going to sleep again. And for another 18 years, this is it. Like, you're either going to be awake with the kid or awake with worry. Like, just forget about it. And then the other camp is, so like, if you, if you have that thing of... Uh, I am pretty excited about it. They're like, oh, oh, you have no idea what's coming. But if, if you're in that camp already, if you're like, yeah, you know, we're a bit nervous or whatever, then they're like, oh, there's nothing to worry about. It's totally fine. And like, there's no in between. Like, nobody ever says like, there are shit times, but there are amazing times. Like, you know, it's like, no one ever gives like rational feedback. It's always like, it's a, it's a shit storm coming your way or else it's like, it's all fucking rainbows and unicorns. And, and exactly, it's like I try to give that middle ground because there it is both. It's like there's a shit storm and then there's rainbows, and like that's yeah. that's the, the blend in between. But all my friends are like, oh, when that baby's born, you'll know your purpose in life. You <laughs> loved anything more. I was like, bull. When that baby came out, I was like, oh crap, yeah. things just got real. Yeah, and I was like, I punched in you know, to a work clock that I never get to punch out for. Like it was yeah. straight business mode. But someone, I think it was, I think it was always brother said as well that like, you know, everything that you have value in is suddenly like external, like, you know, like that there, there's that constant fear of like, fuck, what if they choke on something or like bang their head or don't wake up or what? like, it's that cause you can, you can control it when it's you and you're, you're fairly confident that 
you know, your wife is going to be able to look after herself for the most part. Like, you know, you know, you're a human, you've had experiences, you're fine. I'm fine. And then when there's another one that can't do anything, it's like, Oh Jesus, like everything hinges on what we do. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times we'll be looking at the baby monitor. I'm like, are they breathing? <laughs> or, or if they sleep 30 minutes past what they normally wake up. Yeah, like, what's wrong with them? Died. <laughs> I didn't sleep. Yeah. And you like go in there and you kind of like look at them and like, okay, they're, they're still breathing. Yeah. Or as uh, my brother-in-law, he used, to, he used to go in and like basically wake the baby up. If it, <laughs> like he'd be looking at the monitor going, I'm not pretty sure it's not breathing. And he'd be going in to wake them up. Yes. I had a, this was, this is terrible. So this is a terrible story. I'll preface that is there was one time where my son was sleeping. He usually got up around seven, between seven and eight. And it was like 10 o'clock in the morning and he's still asleep. And my wife was like, what if he's not breathing? I was like, well, then he died like six hours ago. It's too late. She didn't think that was very funny. No. I can't imagine us going in now and waking him up. We might as well get a good night's sleep. <laughs> yeah, you know, like you know, yeah. it's already happened, honey. And that that was that's not a good joke to pull out, especially like postpartum, like four four or five weeks. That was yeah, like, yeah. Hormones and emotions know. running high. Got to got to save certain jokes. Yeah. Are you um are you heavily reliant on coffee then with two young kids? Uh, yes. I think that's, uh, I found myself sometimes at like two in the afternoon, it still being the only thing that I have drank that day um, to where I, I, I think I do have a problem. And this might be a good intervention time for myself and my coffee <laughs> consumption. <laughs> are you, is it like a drip filter or an espresso or, or like, are you a bit of a connoisseur? Oh, no, I'm not a coffee snob by any means. Just like um, we just, just a home drip. No French press or pour over or, you know, ground it myself. It's like, I respect those that do that, kind of like um, sommeliers or any of those like wine mm. connoisseurs. It's like, no, it's like if it's hot and got caffeine, you're okay. Um, what's the coffee scene like in Dallas then? The coffee scene? Mm. Uh, it's normal. It's, it's not like Portland mm. or or um, some of the more hippie, hippier. Yeah, hipster, hipster. hipster. There we yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, that's the word. Yeah. Um, no, it's just normal. Starbucks. It's everywhere. no shit storm, but there's no rainbows either. It's just the middle. <laughs> there there's another middle ground. I feel like this is the theme for this discussion. <laughs> yeah. Is like we have two polar opposites around the world. We sit right in the middle. Now it's, yeah. it's a normal coffee scene. We have coffee shops and stuff, but it's not. It was crazy. Like I went to I went to Portland and it was like a coffee shop in a weed dispensary. Like every other four businesses, it was it was quite amazing. Some combined together, a little low and a little high. Yeah. I love those. Uh, you know, like when you see random mixes. Like I, I actually was trying to think of it yesterday. I was talking to um, you know Rob Lawson. He's like a seminar know. staff, and I was like. He was telling me about some place in Dubai he went that had like a motorbike chop shop and it was also a coffee shop. And I was like, I was like, that is a fucking random like pairing <laughs> to make. But then I was like, I remember being in a bike shop. So I don't know where it was. It was in Galway or somewhere. I don't know. But there was a coffee shop in it. And again, I was like, it's kind of weird. Like there was bikes everywhere. And then just like a little barista in the corner. And it's like, are you lost or what happened here? Like, 
I could see that being more of a a combo. Yeah, you know, like more to motorbikes. Yeah, might be the more coffee connoisseur crowd. I could see that. Yeah, but it's like, who was here first? Like, did you start off and just unbeknownst to you, a bike shop kind of popped up around you, bit by bit? Like, or is it? The, did you sneak in and they haven't noticed that you're here yet? That is the good question. Um, this place could use. Or, <laughs> or maybe the guy that I saw had been to Dubai but couldn't afford motorbikes, so he was like, "I'll just get like cycling bikes." In. Oh, exactly. Yeah, in Dubai, that place. Yeah. That place is a trip. It's a um, you have traveled like a shit ton for mm-hmm. all sorts of different reasons. Yes. Um, one of my favorite questions on this is like coffee memories or like. I don't mean like a specific bean. I mean like I was in such and such a place with such and such a person and it was amazing or we got this amazing news when we were wherever. Is there anything like that that stands out? So one of the biggest kind of like eye opening, and this isn't like even like a cultural experience. So it was actually last year in Dubai and it was the, it was the first day of the Dubai CrossFit Championship. And we're, we go downstairs in the lobby and it's pouring rain like downpouring rain in a place where it doesn't rain <laughs> and we're walking out i was like we're kind of talking to the the uh, the hotel workers we're like i didn't prepare for rain in dubai and like oh well we all knew this was going to happen like what do you mean you knew this was going to happen it's like oh we got the email <laughs> and have you ever heard of cloud seeding no oh is that where they like make it rain they make it rain so what they did is the Basically, the, the country or, you know, the, the top, they sent out a mass email to all the citizens that it's going to rain tomorrow from this time to this time because we're going to start seeding the clouds. And so Dubai, not only is it known for its extravagance, apparently can control the weather. And they get an email update about when and how it's going to happen. It was the craziest thing I'd ever heard of or ever seen. Yeah. And what they did is they did it to kind of, it cools, it cools everything down too. So it's not yeah. just like an irrigation thing. In fact, it caused a lot of flooding because <laughs> that place is not meant for like monsoon rains yeah. for that short amount of time. But then for the next week or two, it was like 10, 15 degrees cooler. That's crazy. So that, that was pretty nuts. I think here, if that happened here, if there was an email like that, you just, be, it'd be constantly pinging like it's gonna rain it's gonna rain it's gonna rain it's gonna rain, it's gonna rain. <laughs> oh man it, yeah that, that was wild there was another one in um copenhagen it was for a regional event so the oh yeah i want to say it was 2015 so we we're in copenhagen and i was with um a couple of friends who were working there roy mccurden and jonathan haynes and uh they had this there's like this city within the city um i just i just blanked on the name i had it oh, oh it's called christiana okay and, and what this is apparently is that this neighborhood decided to segregate themselves from the country and and like so they built a fence around this basically community yeah where it's kind of like it's it's I want to say it's lawless, but it's not like uh, Mad Max. <laughs> it's no Thunderdome. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so apparently, like they, there's 
there's bars, there's housing, there's, I mean, there's an abundance of sales of drugs and you had to like kind of find your way. So of course we had the best idea of, Hey, Saturday night, let's go find this place with like, you know, no idea what we're doing. We're the most American looking people you've ever seen walk onto the scene. And so we're starting, and, and there, there's a lot of like taboo about this place. Like you don't bring in your phone. And if you do, you don't take it out. Like if people see you in there, they'll take it out of your hands and smash it. Right. Yeah. It's dude, it's crazy. Is this a dream or did this actually happen? <laughs> this, is, this really happened. Okay. So, and so it's late at night. There's no street lights. We're in the middle of nowhere, but it's in the city, but it's just like back alleyways. I'm like, I've seen this. It's called Hostel. And this is how we get murdered for money. You're going to end up and in like a human centipede. We find the fence, which is, it's, it's, it's a high fence, you know, and it's been boarded up multiple times. And we find this hole, or not a hole, but like an open spot. Yeah. And we walk in and it's pitch black. We, we went through the wrong, there's no lights. We're walking through what looks like, um, uh, dormitories and we, we keep walking we hear music and we finally see light like way in the background and we we keep walking and i'm like we're gonna die we're gonna get murdered tonight and then we find this open space and, it, and it's like a couple of bars and food vendors and the parties going on and we, we walk in like okay well, so we got something to eat we're, we're sitting there drinking and having some fun and, and just enjoying the, the area and like staying to ourselves and keeping our mouths shut which is what Americans should do more often in foreign countries. And all of a sudden we look at the bar and there's this guy just staring at us. We're like, okay. Good start. That's a solid start to a murder. Go on. And within the next, I would say 30 minutes, four more guys join him and they're all dressed very similar. And they are just not even hiding the fact that they're looking at us. Have you, you know, is a police academy two where they go to the blue oyster <laughs> oh, yeah. oh and and so like I'm, I'm sitting there talking to rory and jonathan and we're we finally decided that that was our cue to leave of which we slowly exited the premise it was it was a trip man like was this all, outdoors like yeah yeah it's it's outdoors look it up it's it's um it's called christiana it's in copenhagen denmark and dude, it, it is another level of weird. It's bizarre. Yeah. But that was when I thought for sure that I was, I was going to get kidnapped. Yeah. That's really weird. But it was cool. Now it's a story. Just make it <laughs> I love, I'd love if like, someone from Copenhagen was this and this. And they're like, the fuck is that guy talking about? There's no such thing. He obviously just had like a dream. <laughs> Maybe it was. Maybe I accidentally took. Have you ever spoken to like Rory or any of those guys about it? They just be like, "No, that never happened." Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> remember that one time? It's like, no. I That'd be an amazing that. prank to play if they all just agreed that they <laughs> deny it. So that, somehow I expose one of my greatest fears is being kidnapped in a foreign country and never see my family again. And they just yeah. played on my fears. Um, I will say the coolest thing about Copenhagen was there's bikes everywhere. So everyone's mm -hmm. riding bikes. It was really neat, but we went to kind of this open 
not an open market, but an open market where all the restaurants were and they had outdoor seating and it was like massive picnic tables. And we're in line, we order our food and we sit down. And actually Rory made this um, observation. He goes, stand up and look at everyone. And we're talking probably a thousand people all sitting together and not a single person was on their cell phone. Not one, no one pulled it out. Like everyone was just sitting there talking to, it was really cool. Maybe someone from Cristiano was knocking around the corner and they're going to say it's a phone off. <laughs> Maybe that was an extension of my dream. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was really cool to see because it was, and you're talking about strangers sitting with each other because the picnic tables, they're like yeah, yeah. You know, 12 feet long. And just if there was space, you sat there and then you started conversing with the person next to you for across, all as far as we could see. And then we started looking for it in other places. And that's what it was. People were like so engaged in conversations and with each other. And that was that to me, that was the coolest part of the entire trip is to see that. Yeah, that's cool. Did you ever think like when you were qualifying for regionals and the games and stuff like that, that you'd end up going to these events, going to like, like regionals and stuff as a commentator and going to the games as a commentator? No, not at all. Cause I mean that, and that you're talking something that happened nearly a decade ago now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so do, when I started CrossFit, it was just about, it was about getting in better shape, but I really just wanted to look a certain way. You know, I just yeah. wanted muscles and abs and look like I was supposed to be on the cover, like a GQ magazine kind of a thing that never, ever, never happened, but that's what the intentions were. Um, but no, that was, that was never a part of my thought process of like, this was a goal. And then, I mean, shoot, <laughs> my dad said this is like, once I kind of fell into this and I really just fell backwards into the broadcasting side, I would never have thought in a million years these would be the opportunities that I got to have. And especially with like what I did, because how I got connected into this was so random. And it wasn't for any reason to like me being an excellent like performer at regionals of the CrossFit Games. Like I got 33rd at the CrossFit Games in 2010. I got cut on the second day and I only did four events. You know, that was my CrossFit Games individual experience and I never made it back. But there was one year where, it, you know, I, like I said, I traveled everywhere. I went on to these broadcasts. I was at the games and I got to be a part of this and got to be on ESPN. And my dad called me one day and he goes, you know what? And this is kind of his way of uh, like giving me a compliment in the best dad way possible. He's like, there's no one that has done more with a 33rd place finish at the cross game. Than you have. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, it's amazing. Like CrossFit has opened up so many incredible opportunities that I would have never thought possible. Like I would never would have gone to Dubai if it wasn't for CrossFit. Yeah. Um, or even had these opportunities. Like I, I hadn't left the country until um, these opportunities came up for CrossFit. So like going to Brazil and Copenhagen and Dubai and all these other places around the world is, is really, really cool. And for how it all started, I, I'm just really appreciative of the opportunities that I've gotten and, you know, what the future has, who knows, but like what I've got to do so far is it's been incredible. I mean, like you and Bill have become two of the most like prominent voices in the sport. You know, with the talking elite boys as well. Like, what's it been like becoming, say, like trusted commentators and names that like go to names? Has that been a long process, or do you think it, it, your kind of performances or your 
or maybe it's a bit weird calling the performances, but you know, like how you worked at events and stuff, did that kind of lend itself to you being trusted more quickly? Like, so it's been a long process. I I still consider it a process. So I thank you for that compliment for us. It's, it means a lot. It, it means a lot to us and it's always meant a lot to us to even be involved in that side. Um, especially on the broadcasting side, because, you know, we take that very seriously because seeing something on screen with nothing is a much different experience than, you know, being able to have that commentary. And for us, it's like, we have never done it for ourselves, right? Like, I don't care if anybody ever hears my name, knows who I am, follows me on Instagram or anything like that, as long as they enjoyed the broadcast. Like, so for me, and I know Bill too is like, that is our opportunity to kind of give back to the, the community with the best commentary and, and analysis and, and show we can put on to, to make this so entertaining. And, you know, with Sean and Tommy as well, it's like they do such an amazing job with the Talking Elite Fitness and then we, they, they're broadcasting gigs as well. But, you know, me and Bill kind of just fell into a, just a great, call a broadcasting relationship you know were you were you guys like paired up or did you pair up did you actually yeah so when we first started it was about 2012 we all got brought into the central east regional and there was i think there was eight of us and it was when cross it was trying to figure out the media thing so there was so we all went to ohio and bill and and even through the last eight years, especially for the CrossFit games, always did the individual men with Sean. Like that was there. And Sean did all the individual women with Tanya Wagner. I always did teams at the CrossFit games. So at the games, we never worked together. But at regionals, we got paired up every once in a while. And it was just, uh, it was kind of a seamless um, pairing. But at the same time, we're just, we're great friends. Like Bill's probably one of my best friends. And the most time we ever get to really spend each other is at these events. And, you know, now when we travel the world, like we'll room together and we'll stay together and we'll do all these things together. But for, for us now, it's like we've just built such a good, comfortable rapport that I think lends itself to a, a seamless commentary on the broadcasting side. We try to make it as fun as we can because we're fans. We are super fans, yeah. just like anybody else. So when we're calling, we're calling from the perspective of we're more excited to be in this position to call this and to watch this as anybody is just being there. So it's, you're, it's, it's the best of both really because you're courtside, like, you know, you're, you, yeah. you can't be any close to the action. Like, you know, you've got the a comfortable seat, you've got headphones, you've got a screen to yourself, you know, like it's, it's the dream for anyone that really follows the sport, I think. It really is. And so, you know, me and Bill work together seamlessly. And then with our podcast, we get with the programming. It's, that was kind of our new venture is that we love, talking about CrossFit as, as much as anybody else. But, you know, we're not news guys, like in terms of the information going on. And there's so much of that out there, like Sean and Tommy, what they do is perfect. It's perfect for the position that they're in. They give us kind of all the background that's going on in CrossFit and the CrossFit games and other things around the world, fitness related. Me and Bill are, are like analytics guys. Like we love the kind of nuts and bolts of CrossFit events or even more so like the programming. So the idea was, is like, nobody's really talking about programming. They'll talk about it for the gym and, 
you know, we, we do that stuff too, but like we, especially like with our jobs is like, you know, Bill's a color commentary and that's just, you got to know anything and everything about CrossFit, the events, the movements, the people, like you need to be a, an analyst. Yeah, I'm yeah. that way too, but I kind of float back and forth between either broadcasting the play-by-play side or the color commentary. And we just nerd out on that stuff. We do it when we're not broadcasting. All we're doing is talking about the workouts or the programmer, how you should do this or what this event really does to the athletes and what it means for the next one. And so for us is that we wanted to not have to wait to get like another broadcasting gig to just talk about that stuff. Yeah. So we, oh, let's start a podcast. What's been your biggest learning or like your biggest surprise since you started off the podcast? Um, that people just want to listen to it. Yeah. Honestly, because when we started, it's like, we just love to talk about it. Now, if anybody wants to listen to it, great. And we, we do the same thing on our broadcasts. We just love broadcasting. I love broadcasting so much. I hope people want to watch that. I hope they enjoy listening to what we do. Um, but at the same time, it's like, we do it from a place of love first. Like, I have such a passion about it. So the fact that we even started that, that people anybody wants to listen to it has really been the biggest surprise and i know it's kind of a cheesy answer but no but i like it i think it's the truth as well though because even like i still get that if some like random person that i've never met puts it up on their story i'm like Ugh. yeah someone's it's listening to it it's to, to me like like we didn't go into this like oh we're gonna change the podcasting crossfit world and yeah do all these crazy things like i just want to talk more about this stuff on my own time so yeah kind of fit exactly what we love to talk about and love to do and you know I, honestly i wish i would have done it sooner I, I talked myself out of doing something like this for probably two years um why did you talk yourself out of it I, I don't know i just i have this weird thing about uh just like anybody as like i have this huge fear of failure or looking stupid mm -hmm. you know and so that really kind of like I limited myself in that department. It's like, oh, nobody wants to listen to this or listen to us and blab about programming or CrossFit Games workouts or the regionals in the open. What changed then? Um, one was COVID and the pandemic. Yeah. Like, well, we got sequestered. And the other one is I just decided to stop like limiting myself. Like, who knows? And who cares, right? It's like, yeah. I tell this to my athletes and people I mentor all the time is like, just stop stopping yourself. Just go for it. Cause honestly, if we started it and no one listened to it, then nothing would have changed. Right. And so I was kind of, the only thing I'm upset about is that I didn't do it sooner because like I said, it's like, we're not doing it to gain anything personally. We're just doing it because we love to talk about it. Yeah. And so what, what was really the holdback there? And it was just myself. So, I wish I would have done it sooner. I love, I love the podcast. I love just getting to talk about this stuff. And the fact that anybody wants to sit down and listen to that along with us and interact with us um, means the world. So it, it's been really fun. We've gotten a lot of great feedback and traction. And there's a, we got a lot of big things actually in store that I think is going to help really project this to another level. So it's pretty exciting. Come on. Nah, I, it's not official yet, so I can't say it. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I actually I was listening to your one on Murph, and like you know, should, like I think it was like, should you do Murph or should you program Murph? Um, 
whatever the weekend before Memorial Day and we did it like we're all training at home and I was planning on doing Murph that evening I was doing I think I was doing like back squat or something when I was listening to it and I was like yeah I think I think I'll do it I'll just do I've got you know those door frame pull-up things I was like I'll just do like strict pull-ups and then maybe use a band after a while and then I can revert to body rows because we have a rack that we borrowed from the gym so I was like right okay and then I listened to the podcast and I was like oh fuck that's me I'm I'm someone (laughs) I'm someone who doesn't do like loads of pull-ups I'm like I've done zero pull-ups. I'll I'll fucking die if I do this. Like I'll get rhabdos. Then it was only after listening to you guys swapped it out. And I did like body rolls straight away, and I did. I don't know if you saw Arm and Hammer for years has been going on about his fifty rounds of two, four, six. And I was yes, like, yes. I, previous years I laughed at it being like that's just fucking ridiculous. But like, oh, then my, I remember my my coach laughed at me. I we have you know sugar wads, so I put up. Okay. Did yeah. 50 rounds of 246 and he replied and was like, you know, with emojis, it was like, did you actually fucking do 50 rounds of 246? <laughs> and the next day he was like, my quads are in ribbons. I can't walk. I was like, I feel totally fucking fine. And it's thanks to 246. So awesome. who's laughing now? That's awesome. Yeah. For that one, it was, um, you know, like that's kind of like part of the programming stuff is what we talk about is that. Yeah it's not just CrossFit events that we're going to talk about, but like something like that was, is we thought was important to get out there because there was a lot of questions going and not a lot of platforms really answering it. A lot and of pressure kind of, as well, like kind of peer pressure. And people. Yeah. It's like, Oh, you have to do Murph yeah. on Memorial Day. It's like, no, you don't. Right. It's fun to do. It's a really cool, like gathering experience and it's been a fun tradition, but you don't have to do that. Yeah. And we were just kind of making sure that we would be remiss if we didn't at least give our, opinion on how to approach it right some of the advice was depending on what you've done is don't do it yeah um, or scale it to what you've done and, and and exactly to your point is like you know partition it more you'll feel better like if i did 200 push-ups right now i would be wrecked for two weeks let alone 300 air squats like i, I hadn't been training for that so i didn't do murph at all yeah like I, not even a modification what we gave. I'm going to wait at least another month because, you know, I want to do Murph and I want to enjoy Murph and I love that workout. And so I want to make sure is that I'm in my best position to enjoy it, but at the same time, look out for my safety. So that was, that's really funny that, that actually was a part of your story, but you know, that was, a, you know, those are the kind of the things that we look out for. We did the same thing for how we thought gyms might approach um, programming during quarantine because mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot of information out there. And again, it's all of our, our you know, me and Bill's relative opinion uh, on yeah. what people should do. But, you know, we had things in place that we sit on. And a lot of gym owners and, and programmers are either sometimes you get too scared to act or, you know, what's the best option or they just don't know. And so we, we want to put information out there that, that could be helpful should people want to listen to it or use it. Um, again, by no means are we saying it's gospel, yeah, gospel, yeah. but that's that's what we want to do. And Murph was one of those because there was this there was a wave of bad ideas coming. You know, do you like? Are, do you see? Hardcore. Do you see programming though, especially now, like with home people being at home and stuff? Do you see programming on your Instagram and be like, oh, what the fuck are you doing? Or like, do you kind of keep your blinkers on and just focus on what you're doing in your own box? Uh, no, I, I see it. I see a lot. And I, the problem there, and again, this is just my personal opinion. 
is the biggest thing people I think had a problem with when going into quarantine is that didn't have the appropriate expectation of what was going to happen. You're like, Oh, we're going to disappear for a while. And you know, things are going to be a little bit different, but they weren't really being honest with themselves. And so by like day three, people were losing their minds. It's like, Oh, everything's changed. This sucks. It's like, what did you expect was going to happen? Oh, by the way, it's going to be a lot longer than you would have previously thought. A lot of your attitude is dependent on the expectations going in. But to your question is that I think anyone can half program when they have everything at their fingertips, right? You can almost fake it with sexy workouts that have like rope climbs and handstand walks and all these barbell movements. And oh, you get to use the C2 bike, the rower and the skier for this cool little. And I feel like the real programmers can go to any spectrum, right? It's like full gym, limited equipment, no equipment, no equipment programming is hard. Yeah. It's hard not to just get stagnant and just be like, right, fucking air squats and burpees again. Exactly. And and so looking at that, you can see some people, and it's not necessarily maybe I would say their faults, but it's more of, and that's kind of where we wanted to come from is that some people just don't know. Um, And some people don't know how hard it is to program effectively. Anyone can make up a workout. Is it the appropriate workout? It's like, oh, we're going to do, I don't know they'll program something crazy like Murph with all body weight movements and not really understand, you know, what that might do to their athletes. And so, so you see that it wasn't a lot, but I'm definitely aware of who is doing it the right way and who's. You've kept a list. You're going to post a list next week. (laughs) What's that? Billy Madison. Is that, you know, I'm putting it on my couch and, and writing up this list of bad programmers that I never want to see programming with, with all their Instagram you know like at whatever and they'll just put up a picture someday we're going to do one episode a week on shitty programmers <laughs> um, growing up then like you seem to do like I think in your own words you said you played pretty much every sport but you weren't great at any of them yes. and then you found swimming in college you did some triathlons and an Ironman and like, how did you transition then from swimming over to CrossFit? So I, let's see. So I finished college and for a lot of, you know, collegiate athletes, their athletic careers are done. Mm. Uh, and, and if you got to do it in college, that was a, a very small select group as well. So I was very fortunate to be able to compete in college in the sport that I love the most. Actually, I love water polo the most. That was a sport I was best at. Yeah. But I decided to swim in college. So um, many horses drown playing water polo as well. Yeah, you know, I was tired of seeing the <laughs> it. Was, it was ridiculous. And uh, so I finished swimming. And like any swimmer who stops training, which we train, oh, an ungodly amount. Yeah. Like, it is unreal how much. Now it's changed. Like, we just used to overtrain on the, on the daily. It was nuts. And so what most swimmers do when they finish is that they stop working out completely they're tired of it i would train yeah. i would swim twice a day five days a week once a day another day i'd get one day off and in between those days i'd be doing like weightlifting or some type of like calisthenics training outside of the pool that was it oh and by the way a full load of classes for an engineering <laughs> degree that i was going for so when it was over we do nothing and then we party but we keep our caloric intake the same yeah so swimmers are notorious for just getting fat 
really quickly. And I didn't think I was going that direction until I went home and my dad goes, you're looking a little soft there. <laughs> working out again. I'm like, damn, that sucks. Cause you see yourself every day. And I didn't know that I was slowly looking like I was turning into like a melted snowman, but that was the direction. So I decided that, you know, when I swam, a lot of my off season training was running. I was a really good runner. Um, and I loved running. So I was like, okay, well, swimming and triathlons is a very small portion of the entire race. Like I don't even have to really train that anymore because it's just a buy-in really. <laughs> so, you know, I swim every once in a while and, you know, you can hold on to your swimming skills for a good 10, 15 years and not really have to practice it again. And I was good at running. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to get a bike and learn how to bike and start doing triathlons. That was my easiest, um, pick a new sport kind of a deal. So I did that for a couple of years. And then what changed was I went to some type of coaching thing for swimming. Cause I started, I did that a little bit on the side and I ran into my buddy in college. Um, that we swam together with. And in college, you know, he wasn't the, the most lean Jack dude. You know, he just was kind of, like, he was an amazing swimmer, but he's just kind of soft. And you see that a lot with swimmers, at least back when I did. And then when I saw him two years later, he was ripped. I was like, what have you been doing? He's like, I've been doing CrossFit. I was like, I don't even know what that is, but I'm coming. He's like, come tomorrow. And I came, I came the next morning and it was Fran. To which I had no idea what it was. You're like, oh, it's 2159 thrusters and pull-ups. I'm like, okay. Classic mistake, right? <laughs> That's it. And that was it. That was all I needed. In fact, well, the, well, I did Fran. I scaled it to 75. I did it in 523. Not so, bad for a first. I mean, I was in okay shape, but I was really good at pull-ups. But man, I went hard. I went out unbroken on the first set of 21 and I came back to the bar for 15 and my eyes rolled in the back of my head. And I was like, what is happening to my body? So I limped to the finish line. Didn't come back for three more months. <laughs> Legit. I had like a marathon to run somewhere in between, but I was like, I need to get in shape to do CrossFit. You know, like everyone's classic. Yeah, yeah. I'm not thin enough to get fit. Yeah, exactly. Which makes no sense. So yeah. when I tell new people, it's like, I've been that guy. I've been that guy a lot in CrossFit, but, um, so I did that and it was more of like, I was kind of tired cause I was always skinny, super skinny, super lean just cause of swimming. And you know, my dad was a football player. And so he was just a big muscly man. I was like, I want to look like that. I want to look like a jacked, you know, athlete. And so that's why I started CrossFit. It was purely for aesthetic reasons. Yeah. My vanity drove me into the CrossFit gym. And then, uh, then I, I picked it up pretty quick and probably about, let's see, I started, I did my first CrossFit workout December 08. And then I think I did my last triathlon was an Ironman that um, November. And then I just, I just started doing CrossFit full-time. And was that in Dallas Central? Mm -hmm. Yep, Dallas Central. That was my, my first CrossFit gym. And you trained there and then opened CrossFit Big D. Yes. I so, assume D stands for Dallas and not Dick. Yes. <laughs> but it sells a lot of T-shirts. <laughs> Especially when the arrow's pointing down. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, you, you can manipulate the words a little bit and then like, you know, there's the top ball area and then the yeah. down. You know? Um, so yeah, so I started, I started working out there and at the time, I think in the 10 months that I was there, I probably had two or three different engineering jobs. It was just this tumultuous time in the economy and it was really hard to get specialized jobs like that. And what a lot of these companies did is they would hire new guys, get out all their backloaded work to get money. And then once they had all their work gone and nothing was coming in, they just shed the new guys. Yeah. I was so sick of being the new guy. I couldn't get experience at least in one company for a long time. So I had five different engineering jobs in three years. And so they, they offered me a job for kind of like part-time relief. And I just, I fell in love with it. I, I fell in love with the, the gym, the people, the coaching, the aspect of being able to like have a positive influence on someone else's life, like have a direct impact to that. And so once I jumped into coaching, my number one reason to come on board was to eventually open my own affiliate. Just be, to be able to have more of an impact on people other than just the classes that I coached. So I coached there for probably, I want to say five years before I, I opened up affiliate, my own affiliate. And again, that was one of those I probably should have opened after just being there for a year. But at the time, it's like I felt this deep sense of dedication to the gym and to my to the owners who, who were my, my good friends at the time. I was going to say, like, it must be, you must, there must be a, you know, an kind of awkward line of loyalty and wanting to serve yourself. Like where you, you don't want to piss on their parade or, or piss on their patch either. I mean, I know Dallas is big, but it's not that big. You know, like it's still, there must be a bit of like angst about like, is it all right if I open a gym down there? Like, so. Huge. And that was probably the biggest detractor for me to, to not do it when I probably should have. Is mm. because you know, at the time, Dallas Central was one of the first CrossFit gyms in Dallas. And after about a year or two, you know, coaches would start to leave and open up their own affiliates. And, you know, that really was an odd splitting and not good vibes that came from that. And for me, it's like I have a deep sense of dedication to people who've done things for me. You know, I almost feel indebted to them forever. If, if anybody has done just a favor for me. And so there was a huge loyalty aspect to that gym, to the members and, and to the owners that I didn't want to just be that guy that came in and just bailed and took 20 people with him and moved a mile away. Like that wasn't going to be me. And at the same time, it's like I wanted to learn everything about the gym, how to run it, what things are good and what work, but most importantly, like what, you should never do, right? So I learned from a lot of mistakes that, you know, first time gym owners and not business savvy people learn the hard way, the easy way by just being privy to it through my coaching. And so I waited about five years and then, you know, we had come and they actually, you know, we were getting a, a I was getting this like tough kind of struggle with the gym and the owners and you know, I, I was coaching a lot and felt like I had a big impact, but I couldn't do everything that I wanted to do. And they noticed that I was getting a little frustrated with that. Like I was kind of had one arm tied behind my back and they actually came to me and said, we know this is something you wanted to do. Yeah. We want you to go pursue it. And that, I mean, that was a weight that got lifted off my shoulders 
because I, I felt so guilty wanting to leave a gym that I had a very big impact on. Yeah. You know, I was like, I coached the most classes of anyone there, including the owners. And I knew everyone in the gym's name and there's, you know, 200 plus members. And, you know, I was involved with the programming and coaching the, the CrossFit games crews and the teams. And I didn't want to just like bail on that because the only reason that I got to do that, you know, by the time I was, I had moved on is like, I got on seminar staff while I was still at Dallas Central. I started broadcasting while I was at Dallas Central, you know, and none of those opportunities would have been available to me if they hadn't have given me the opportunity five years prior by just yeah. giving me a job and a chance. So yeah, there was a huge like loyalty, um, like moral pull for me to not want to leave them high and dry. Now they're doing fine and they did great and they didn't miss a beat once I left, but that was the biggest struggle for me to open the gym. Um, but once I did, it was kind of one is like, why did I wait so long? I mean, I know why I did, but. I guess if you've got, if you've got that fear of failure, though, it's. Yeah. It overrides you then when you've also got an excuse. Like when you also have that thing of like, oh, but it wouldn't be fair on them. Like that gives you an extra yeah. couple of years of like, no, I'll wait. I'll wait. You know, like whereas the reality probably was like, what if I open this and it flops? Like, you know, what if, what if it doesn't work out? You know, same as the podcast, I guess. Exactly. And. You know, as much as I can teach people how to not fear that, and I still struggle with that myself. Like, I have a huge fear of failure in every aspect of my life, even to this day. Like, I, I fear failing as in, in anything. And that's just kind of the way I grew up in sport and everything is like, I don't want to fail to, to the extent that's like, sometimes I'm paralyzed by it. Yeah, yeah, just, you miss your successes. I just don't move. But like, I'm, I fear of like, failing as a husband and not doing everything I need to do as a, a husband or failing as a father. Like I don't raise my kids the right way or, or I miss something or, or I do something the wrong way or failing as a business owner, a broadcaster, or like screwing up the podcast that we've worked so hard to, to get off the grounds. Like those things are always in the back of my head. I'm super confident and proud of what I do. And I, I, I will charge through it headlong, but it's still there. And sometimes it gets the better of me. Opening up my own affiliate was one of them starting the podcast with the other and those that's just the reality it's like i face that just as like anybody else does yeah i think people always see success and think like it's like that meme you know the where you see the top person standing at the top and you're like ah oh, it's easy for them though and then behind them is all broken glass and stuff it's like that i think people think oh well if you're doing something it must be it must be easy like it must be easy to get there or, or like oh maybe yeah you worked hard but like you know it was still an easy decision to make to do it or whatever where there is that thing where I think you're kind of like man this could not like I had the same when I started this it was like similar to you I guess where it was like okay I want to do this because I want to do it and because I enjoy talking about you know just talking shit with people and it gives me an excuse to talk to people that I want to talk to or like people that I think I think have an interesting story that other people might not have heard or stuff like that but then there was a thing when I started off of like fuck what if nobody listens to it like or what if it's shit and people li what, like what if it's good and nobody listens or worse what if it's shit and everyone listens <laughs> but like i think yeah i think the the biggest thing for me was just saying it out loud you know just telling someone oh i'm gonna do this because then if you don't do it you just don't get an, an asshole like that yeah. oh he's all talk right so, so at least if it's out there it's out there nice. um but yeah no i think whatever about your fear of failure i think you've made 
a, a pretty decent go of it with you know you've got like a massive affiliate you've got you know a really good career with the broadcasting commentary the podcast seems to have taken off i mean i felt so left out when you and talking elite had your little fucking party <laughs> um oh. yeah no but i know it is it is great like i think you're 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 overcoming of your fears is obviously you. you know it's it's paid off um i think as like someone as experienced as you at events and with your programming we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about what's going to happen this year so yeah. state of play is obviously like fucked up it's kind of crazy we've got a situation where we're going to have a very limited field mm-hmm. um we're going to possibly have no spectators possibly have no coaches or like on site at least yeah like i guess there's there's two things that could affect okay there's a lot of things like the workouts okay they're like straight away they're going to affect what happens but even just the, on the person the the people side of it you've got maybe people who might rely on the spectators maybe people who might thrive because there's no spectators maybe you've got people who rely on their coach or maybe again you've got people who thrive because they're like fuck it i've got nothing to lose and no one you know who cares Mm -hmm. but then i think i think the biggest thing will be the the lack of spread of points like because if you've got a first place at a 30th place last year versus a first place in a 30th place this year i mean surely it's going to lend itself to be a much tighter race. I think so directly to like say what the point system may be. I don't, I don't know if they've said exactly how they're going to score it. Are they um, still, do you know how they're still going to do that thing where they said they were going to like, I assume there's just going to be no cuts. I would hope that there's going to be no cuts. Yeah. I feel like that would be almost borderline unethical. Like, <laughs> you start cutting athletes that put a lot of things at risk and on yeah. the line come there and do that especially if they're traveling around the world because that's the other thing like we don't even know who's going to be able to make it Mm -hmm. Uh, but let's say that the top 30 and 30 do make it from the open and and everybody's there competing in terms of the field prior to last year it was 40 and 40 like there was only 40 athletes at the games for Mm -hmm. probably the last five years so the field isn't too different and if you kind of look at the bottom 10 every year they had a very little effect on what happened at the top yeah yeah So I'm not worried about that as long as they can all come. Now, if some people, you know, if like Sarah Katchen and uh, Kara can't make the games, that has a massive impact on, on how things go. So that's a whole nother can. But um, scoring-wise, I, I don't really think you'll miss too much depending on how they score it, obviously. Um, being 30 instead of 40, as long as it's consistent and they don't cut, you're still going to you should still get a pretty good competition with the field that they have. I, I think it'll be, I think it'll be fine. And what, what about then like the, do you see anything, do you, do you see a different like top five either side with everything that's going on? Or do you think it'll be there or thereabouts? You might sub in or out one or two people or, you know, like this person might come like a place higher or they might be a little bit closer, but do you still think we're looking at a similar podium on each side well i hope it's podium wise <clears throat> no um maybe if you're talking like two through seven you might but you know like last year it was it was a weird year and how everything shook out but fortunately for the crossfit games is that they still found the fittest person like mm. matt fraser and tia one i think if one of them didn't then there would have been a complete meltdown and fallout 
how things took place. Um, I don't think your top 10 last year was the appropriate top 10. If you had, these are the 10 fittest people in the world, they weren't. Um, and, and that's how the cuts went. I think if you don't cut and whatever scoring system you use, as long as it's appropriate for the, for the, for the weekend, you should see a normal, what you would consider top five, top 10 group of athletes. So you'd be expecting yeah. like Fukowski to be back up, Vellner to be back up, like those kind of guys. Yes. If they get a full weekend, absolutely. Because, you know, Vellner is a slow starter notorious like he usually punched the first event in the stands and closes hard you're talking about two guys that have been on the podium every year they've competed except the one where Fikowski like tied for third and lost the point system to um why am I blanking on his name I love that guy shoot It'll pop up in about five seconds. I can edit out that long silence. <laughs> <laughs> I know that, that doesn't work when I'm thinking and there's a big pause. Um, but their, their bag is like, they are so well-rounded, not necessarily specialized in one specific area. Do you, do you not think though, like, you know, I understand what you're saying. And I, I, I was kind of the same, like last year, mm-hmm. open to the recent really, I was the very same where it was like, no, but like, like Vellner's the man and Fukowski's like he's my guy like he has to be up there like it's not fair or whatever but like if the task is to find the fittest over the course of five days is like couldn't an argument be made that like you know just because two of the mainstays aren't there like you know like what it boils down to is they fucked up like they you know they left themselves like Vellner says himself he left himself in a precarious position where he had to push and he he had to push really hard and he pushed too hard and he lost out yeah Mikowski did the same he made he left too much ground to make up so like I don't know like I think like would you ever worry saying something like that like saying like you know oh the, the two through seven or you know maybe four, four, say four through seven or four through ten would it be the same top ten you know or did they find the fittest maybe not like you know, would you ever consider when you say that statement, would you ever be thinking like, you know, how would Jacob have react if I said that to his face? Like, you know, would you, would you ever worry about offending someone when you say things like that? No, I, I'm not worried about offending people because it's my opinion, you know, and yeah. it's not like personal to them, although it is personal when they hear it about. Yeah, yeah. You can't look at the games last year and say, those are the 10 fittest people in the world. They might've been the 10 fittest people in the competition at which the rules dictated. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, there's no way you could look at that and totally justify the, or not justify the statement of this isn't the, it was the top 10 at the CrossFit games in 2019. I'll say that. Yeah. Cause that's what the competition dictated, but it's, it's nothing personal when I, when I'm saying it, it's cause it's just one, it's a statement of opinion. Yeah. I'm not trying to attack anybody's character here or say they're bad. Um, but you're going to tell me Pat Vilner or Brent Bukowski aren't, that guy because they got cut and so what you'll probably see if they do no cuts at the games i think you could legitimately say is like these are your top 10 fittest barring what what happened but it's just going to be a weird year right the fact well, would it not be the same every year though then would it not be like 2018 top 10 we're just the top 10 of the rules that dictated the top 10 you know like could you not make that argument for every year then you could totally make that argument yeah. i think the cuts change that dramatically 
Do you think if someone do you think if someone else wins this year? I know last year, like I talked to Heber and Marston and they were like, you know, if Noah Olson wins without like winning, you know, without like dominating Matt Fraser in a couple of events, like people will always say, Oh, it's just because though, it's it's only the cuts, like it's only because of the new system. Do you think that if someone wins this year that isn't T or Matt, will there be the same echoes maybe you will for sure hear that i think you'll for sure hear that and i wouldn't be surprised if some people put an asterisk on it just even if matt and tia do win mm. you know so uh, like i said it's like this is a this is a weird year to kind of like judge the system in yeah. place because just the fact that it might happen it's still not 100 percent sure that it will happen it could very quickly become the top the fittest in north america like depending on travel. Exactly. You know. Right. So that that's going to be a hard thing to navigate. Obviously you can always have an opinion about what's happening. I do think no matter what happens, there will be discussions from, because there always is, that's just the way the world works now, especially yeah. with social media. There's always going to be murmurs back and forth on, was it legitimate? Are they really, you know, your top 10 question or even your podium that's going to happen. I'm going to like, that's the only thing I can guarantee is that people are going to be either side of the fence once these games take place. It was a genius move, the ranch, because like, who doesn't fucking love nostalgia and who doesn't love, especially like, who doesn't love like grit and dirt and sweat in CrossFit and that, you know, those images of like the trail run from whatever, 2016, like those things, you know, it gave them so much good grace by deciding to do it that way instantly gave them like, you know, okay, right. You've got three chances now. Like we'll give you three strikes because that was a good idea. You know? Yeah. It's clever. Well, I, I absolutely love it. I've actually never been to Aromas of all the places I've been to. I've been, I've never been there. And I think that that's one place I do want to go, whether it's, you know, I get to go to the games this year. I don't know what they're going to do on the media side, but I need to go there just to go there at some point in time. But like you said, is there's so much the, the fact that that's, that was even an option, I think is a, a miracle. Yeah. And the idea that they're going to host it there is so cool. Yeah. So cool because there is so much rich history there. And what I hope is that they really do like get back to some of the old events that they had there. Like let's bring back the history. It's a weird year already. And with the last things that have happened over the last two years in the CrossFit games specifically, is that, you know, I don't think it's naive to say is like they lost a massive part of their fan base last year. And a lot of it was like the CrossFit purists or the OGs, like, or the way it used to be guys, you know, and and I was part of that uh, too, but I I was open-minded to change and kind of see what had happened. I didn't necessarily like all the changes that happened um, last year, but I think with this one, if they do it, and I don't know how to say like, what you would define as the right way. Yeah, yeah. But I would love to see a lot of like tip of the caps to the old guard. You know, let's bring back the the old guard of CrossFit fans and athletes back into the fold by bringing it back to where it all started. Right? These people that laid the foundation for the CrossFit games that we know and love today and I would even say more so expanded CrossFit in general because yeah. there is a direct tie between how 
the games expands and then how the breadth of the CrossFit community grows. It, it, you can't say that it's not. They're two completely separate things. Like CrossFit in your gym and the CrossFit games are not the same. And I think having a delineation between the two is very important. But I would hope that, and I, I do believe, if it happens, and depending on how it's structured, this is going to be maybe, and especially with fans can't be there, one of the most watched and, oh, yeah. and anticipated CrossFit games ever. I think as well because people are waiting. There's two, there's two sides. Like, there's the people that are like, I'm so fucking excited for this. And then there's the people like ready on Twitter. You know, they've got their thumbs ready to just slay it. Like, yeah. Exactly. And, and I think that's going to be the coolest thing is like you do have two sides of the fence because last year it was, I'm still going to go and see how it goes because the excitement of it was nowhere near it's ever been last year. It was kind yeah. of like this all right, let's see how this new format is. And then cut after cut, people started to lose like some love for that. Like it was exciting. Yeah. Last year's CrossFit Games was super exciting. It's like, funny though, because like, like me and Orla went, or Orla and I went, and that was our first, I never, I never been to America. I never, you know, like, but I basically, figuratively, figuratively, I basically shit my pants about 400 times <laughs> with different stuff that's happening. So like, it's, like, but I'm not, I've, I've only, you know, I don't have like a huge, you know, a long mm -hmm. history of the sport, you know, like I'd be very different from you in that, like, you know, I found it recently and, you know, like, so everything was kind of like, oh, sparkly, like, you know, that's new, that's yeah, fresh. Yeah. So I probably wasn't, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't as invested in the old way. So then like hearing someone say like, yeah, it was like, you know, it was still exciting, but it was, I was like, man, it was fucking incredible. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And the, uh, by the way, the name I forgot is Lucas Hoberg. Um, but yeah, so I, I think, I really do think if, if it goes off, this is the most anticipated and should be the most watched, at least from an online viewing perspective, across the games ever, yeah. just because the fact that we thought it was going to go away, the potential that it's going to going to happen now that it's back at the ranch in the first time in nine, 11 years, yeah. almost. Well, 2016, they were a little brief. Yeah, but that was holiday. Yeah. That was like a cute, hey, let's go here and surprise everybody. Like that wasn't yeah. that wasn't CrossFit Games at the ranch. That was yeah. a couple of events on a day, and they went back home. I think it'd be cool as well because you've got, you know, there was a competition in Norway at the weekend. Oh, you've got right. you've got rogue you've got rogue Invitational, and then the game like in, light, in all likelihood, they'll be the only competitions that have been on since lockdown, like big or small. So I think people are people are ready to latch on, you know. Broadcasted? Which? You know if the Norwegian one's being broadcasted? Uh, it was all it's over. It was on like Oh shoot. Uh, that was Chris, this weekend. Yeah, Chris and Holder won it. And right. that was this weekend. Well, there you go. There answers my question. No, I yeah. didn't see it. But they they were a good bit ahead. Like I remember I interviewed her oh like three weeks ago and she was like, Oh yeah, schools are open here. So I was like, All right, okay, you're a good bit ahead of the rest of us. Oh, like, <laughs> So, yeah, no, that's, I think that's, it gives hope, I think, when people see that kind of stuff, that's like, oh, it's coming, you know, like. So the Rogue Invitational, it's going to be an online format. So I'm very curious to see. Yeah, Rob, Rob was on, I interviewed Rob yesterday. He gave me fucking nothing. Like, he was like, it's that's going to be good. I was like, oh, yeah, thanks, Rob. Like, that's really yeah. in-depth analysis there. He's like, all I can say is it's going to be really good. And it's like, great. That literally tells me fucking nothing. Like, where's my exclusive? Well, because I'm actually I'm going to be involved in it, mm. 
um, this coming, I guess, man, it's going to be this coming weekend. Whoa. Yeah. Saturday week, isn't it? Yeah. So I'll, I'll be involved with it with rogue and the, the iron game show. Um, what it's going to look like. I don't know. I'm kind of, yeah. I'm kind of excited to, to see it just as anybody else is, but you're right. It's like the fact that that's even going to be broadcasted and we have had nothing since what January. Yeah. It's exciting. Like water blues. It was really the last. Yeah. Cause big, I was big one. Like it was classic. Yeah. That was pulled after. With the, so that sucked. Yeah. And then everything's just started falling apart. So anyway, positivity. So we'll end with a quick fire. <laughs> so you, you started looking off into the distance there. I was like, I'm losing him. He's going to start crying. <laughs> we'll go quick fire. Right. So uh, run or row? Run. Uh, barbell or dumbbell? Dumbbell. Gymnastics or cardio? Ooh, gymnastics. Deadlift or squat? Squat. Uh, team or individual? Individual. And the most useful piece of equipment that you own? Kettlebell. Yeah, I was going to say kettlebell or dumbbell. You got a good bit of use out of those on yeah. your Instagram the last few weeks. Yeah, that's great. Um, listen, Chase, thanks a million for coming on. I really appreciate it. It's been another, another one of those kind of like, geez, I'm really fucking talking to this guy moments. So that's uh-huh. been cool. Um, best of luck with Invitational. Best of luck with your podcast. Best of luck with, you know, gradually rolling out the reopening. Um, I hope everything goes away plan. Good luck to you too. I, I appreciate you taking time and wanted to have me on. Cool. Thanks very much. Um, yeah, I'm trying to get a hold of two people I'm trying to get a hold of. You might be able to nudge towards their DMs. Uh, Bill from Rogue. I don't know, does he do interviews? Uh, I don't think Bill does. Yeah. Anyway. They're super, they are super private. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. And um, Rory's another guy I can't get. Okay. Yeah, just if you happen to be talking to them, and you can you can lie to them and tell them how amazing it was. I will. I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna be on a phone call with him today. Cool. Um, yeah, seriously, I meant everything I said. Uh, you're, you know, you're 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 up there on my my list of like, fuck, if I could do if I could do wow. it at that level, like I think you're. This isn't going out in the episode, so I'm not just like yeah. don't smoke up your ass either. Like you are, you are really good, and I think it's it's great mm-hmm. that I think like podcasts are good because they give like morons like me an opportunity to talk but then they give like a platform to people like you guys and talking elite and you know even john Woolley from wake what's great again like there's so much good content coming out of america that's different it's all like like you say like talking elite does one thing and then yeah. you know you guys are doing another thing and armin is doing another thing like i think it's good how separate but together it all is like it's cool thank you i, I really appreciate that it means a lot thank you